radio is Spread the word. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the River Radio Show Let's Talk Business with me, Sophie Comas. And today's show, I'm really pleased to have a fantastic local business owner join me, the brilliant Jenny Tishi from the Lunchbox Doctor. In today's show, we're going to be finding out a little bit more about Jenny and her business journey, talking about some of the challenges faced by small business owners, exploring how food can impact on our well-being. Plus, we have some great music and podcast choices. Good afternoon, Jenny. Good afternoon. Thank Thank you you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) But before we meet Jenny properly, I'm also super excited to let you know that I also have a new co-host, the brilliant Lindsay Wright. Good afternoon, Lindsay. Good afternoon, Sophie. Lovely to be here. Yeah, it's really exciting. So we're going to have two new hosts joining us on the show so we've obviously got Lindsay today that we're going to hear a bit more from in just a moment and we've also got the brilliant Fiona Johnson who's going to be joining me next week so stay tuned to meet Fiona but Lindsay um, hello and welcome super excited to have you here. I know I'm so excited it's uh, living a lifelong dream for me to be a radio presenter so uh, great to be here thank you. Fantastic we've been obviously talking about it for some time so it's brilliant to have you finally join us today so how's your week been? Really good, thank you. Yeah, really good mix of uh, back to school after half term and some coaching and some training and a little bit of new business. So yeah, it feels like uh, the world is starting to turn again, which is great. Excellent. That all sounds brilliant. So for all of our listeners out there, um, tell us a little bit more about what you do and 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 yeah, what, where you're based. Sure. So I'm uh, based between Maidenhead and Slough. Uh, I'm in Burnham and I run a business called Link Engagement. It's been uh, going for two years. Uh, set it up about six months pre-pandemic who knew that was <laughs> never going to be a good idea but we're still here and uh, link engagement is a training and coaching consultancy so I'm a qualified coach my background is corporate communications though so I blend my 25 years of, of communications experience and I help teams small business owners individuals look at their team dynamic, their relationships with other people and help them understand how to collaborate and communicate more effectively through understanding what makes them unique and what makes them themselves using psychometric tools, communication training and a number of different techniques. So it's really interesting. Yeah, a really interesting blend there as well between coaching and communications. There's quite a natural link, I often think. There really is. And I have a fundamental belief that there is no organizational issue no matter how big the business that doesn't actually have communications at the heart of it no matter what the topic is no matter what's going on be it change be it stakeholder issues communication is always at the heart so having that communication lens I find is really useful excellent no it sounds really exciting well we look forward to hearing a bit more about that um, as we go through but um, today we welcome Jenny. Jenny, thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm really excited to be on the other side of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you, you also have a show um, with River Radio tomorrow, lunchtime, I believe. I do, yeah. Let's do lunch. Excellent. So, um, so yes, yeah, so if you haven't heard of that, then tune in tomorrow, guys. But um, So where are you based, Jenny? Uh, I'm about five minutes from this studio, so <laughs> right, right in the centre of Marlowe is yeah, where I live. Um, but in terms of my work, it's everywhere. 
and anywhere. So across the Thames Valley and then through into the across the UK. Yeah, across the UK. Yeah, I mean, if I look at my schedule for the next uh, month, month and a half, then yeah, I've got to go as far north as sort of the borders of Scotland and um, out towards um, Birmingham and yeah, down onto the south coast. So yeah, quite a lot going on now. It feels like everything's suddenly changing again. But then look, it might change again soon after that. Yes, (laughs) there is that for sure. Excellent. So um, for the listeners out there that perhaps haven't met you before, um, tell us a bit more about what you do. Okay, so I am known as the lunchbox doctor and I'm a registered nutritionist, but really most of my time is spent in nutrition education. So I run lots and lots of workshops um, for corporate, so corporate well-being. I do lots of workshops with athletes. I'm a former athlete myself. Um, you wouldn't necessarily know looking at me now, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also do a lot of content creation for various different health brands, um, kitchen brands, supplement brands, etc. And um, I write recipe books as well. So um, during the course of the last 18 months, I have uh, published one and I am about to publish another. Um, so that will take me to six six wow. books. Gosh, that's yeah, amazing. I quite... guess lockdown gave you quite a lot of time to perhaps think about that. Yeah, and lots of mouths to feed. Well, yes, that's that, that too. <laughs> Excellent. No, but that, I mean, wow, gosh, what a diverse range of things that you do there from sort of elite sports people and working with them through to the corporate world and then books obviously helping the individual um, mum like me wanting to cook dinner quickly and nutritiously for, for families and things. So that's awesome. Um so how, how long has the Lunchbox Doctor been running for? Well, uh, that's a really good question. I started training in nutrition. It was my second career. So I started training in 2003, had two children along the way, graduated 2009, initially set up a nutrition business, which, which was one-to-one consulting um, at one of the large local health clubs, and then became officially, I suppose, Lunchbox Doctor in December 2012. Okay. So, so yeah, wow, so that's when it started out ten, being more of a... years next year then? Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes, yeah, wow. so I haven't really thought about that as an anniversary <laughs> but um yeah it, it, that's when I kind of launched the nutrition education side more officially it was sort of starting to become an organic part of what I did mm. but that's yeah when it officially became nutrition education plus yeah. a bit of clinic and now very little clinic at all excellent no that that's awesome I think there's a definite need for a party celebration next year Jenny so. I need to think about that <laughs> don't I <laughs> I think so start start the planning early um so I mean there's lots of things that you do there but what what is there one element of that that you really enjoy perhaps more over another is the one aspect that you that yeah gets you out of bed in the morning it's a really it's a really good question I mean I love presenting um that's something that I never ever enjoyed in my previous mm-hmm. job and I think it comes down to being passionate about the subject I'm yeah. absolutely passionate about this subject I live eat and breathe it and I always refer back to what are the jobs that I had previously uh, I left uh, university and went into a graduate training program and I was sort of in the kind of like mergers and acquisitions area really not my bag and mm-hmm. one of my uh, former bosses used to make me read the financial times every day like oh, and wow. I say make me he wanted me to read it and then he would question me on it and now I mean actively I read you know new books on nutrition recipe books I'm just trying to get rid of some at the moment because I have a bit of a problem and collect too many um, <laughs> but I still read them for pleasure because I love what I do I'm you know it's like an out of hand hobby I suppose I just yeah, yeah. That's, that's brilliant I love that if you I think if you love what you do you never what's the, the saying if you're never out of work well you, you never work a day in mm. your life yes yeah. that's right yeah so um yeah no that that's awesome that's brilliant it's good to I think have that passion for what you do because it really comes across in the way that you, you talk about it so. yeah absolutely and it, it like you say it means that you don't feel like you're working a day in your life but also for me I think 
maybe I've got a short attention span, I don't know, but I have to have <laughs> multiple things to do in order to be able to kind of keep stimulated. <laughs> so, you know, if, I, if I'm finding it a little bit tense, I'm, I create a lot of content for, I've got a couple of curriculums that I'm writing at the moment for um, reducing sugar sum- consumption in schools and one for the Commonwealth Games. And, you know, this is quite labour intensive and uses mm. a lot of my brain power. And so I just like to get up and go to the kitchen and go, right, well, I'm going to create a new recipe or, you know, I need to do this for this video for this client or whatever. And just being able to be in control of that myself and be able to say, right, well, I've lost my creative creativity at this point. Nothing else is coming out. I'm going to go and do something else. It's wonderful. That's what I love most, I think, yeah, about the job. Definitely. Um, I was looking, I was reading something, I was working on something earlier, actually, and it, is all around, it was around that um, coming up with creative ideas. Mm. I think often as a small business owner, when you work for yourself, you can kind of sometimes get stuck into the rhythm of things and actually to step out sometimes, perhaps go to a different location or, like you say, do a different task can sometimes just give you some headspace to think about something different. A brilliant podcast on that this morning on my dog walk is um matthew syed sideways his uh episode uh this morning uh so third of november absolutely brilliant on exactly that subject mm-hmm. you know oh, that we sure. we need other experiences and nobel prize winning scientists tend also to be amateur mm-hmm. dramatists or mm-hmm. musicians or or something else as well so that's, that's really interesting multiple so, strings to our bow yeah no definitely yeah. i think it is a an interesting point though i think it's one of the hardest transitions when you're setting up on your own as a small business owner so I was in corporate world for 20 plus years came into my own business and just that point of getting out of the habit of sitting in your desk from 8 30 till 5 30 because that's what you do when you're in an office and there's an expectation and as a small business owner sort of the freedom to be able to oh do you know what I'm going to do some brainstorming listen to a podcast on a dog walk Mm. and that's okay Mm. and I think for a lot of small business owners I think that's perhaps one of the hardest transitions but it is one of the most powerful because that's where the best inspiration yeah absolutely and I think I fit so much more where I'm so much more productive now than I ever was in a corporate role I actually kind of don't know what I did all day um (laughs) but you know meetings (laughs) meetings exactly yeah it's literally back to back meetings I think in the corporate world because I I, I come from a similar background as yourselves and it is almost back to back to have those conversations and almost try and falsify that then you go back at your desk at five o'clock and try and catch up on a day's worth of work it just Mm. yeah yeah. like when are you actually supposed to get the work done And, and I actually think as well you know one of the things I do as someone of my own in control of my own sort of meetings and things I, I don't meet on the hour to the hour if I can you know help it mm. so then there's no pressure like if you meet somebody at 10 past or quarter past then actually if you finish on the hour following our great but if you finish half an hour later fine there's no mm. it has to be from here to here which is definitely the culture in in larger businesses so mm-hmm. that's, a, that's really interesting I hadn't thought of it that way <laughs> Like it might take might borrow that one from you, Jenny. Start my meetings at ten past ten. Yeah, spend less time in meetings, more time doing. Yeah, definitely. So, is there? I mean, you you must have had lots of influences in your setting up and your your journey of that. And we'll we'll come on to, to talk a little bit about your journey in just a moment. But you must have had lots of kind of. Well, I know you know from conversations we've had, you've had some great experiences and introductions to people. But is there any one that sort of sticks out in particular as a someone that really inspired you to do what you do or or kind of motivate you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm fairly motivated. I think that comes from my sort of sporting background. Maybe it comes from being the youngest in a very large family and just wanting to be better, <laughs> better than my siblings, if I could admit that. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure we've all been there. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I, 
as soon as I started on this path and um, started getting out there, I have had some amazing things happen. Like, you know, I've been, I think you know about this, but I mean, one of the first work, well, the first workshop I ever did for one of my biggest clients um, was attended by uh, HRH, the Duchess of Cambridge. It was a little bit daunting having her sitting right in front of me doing a workshop. Um, And, you know, and I've met all sorts of uh, sports stars, Olympians, ex-Olympians, Paralympians, just the most incredible people. For me, the most inspiring, and always she will be, and I probably get quite emotional when I talk about her, um, is um, Ellie, who is a para swimmer. And I'm trying to remember her surname now. Simmons. Oh, gosh, you know, no, Golding. No, I will come up not, with not it. Cool. No, Golding. Golding. She's the artist. <laughs> I will Ellie, come up with it. It's not Ellie Simmons. No, it's not Ellie Simmons. She is a swimmer. She's a para swimmer. She has um, had all four limbs amputated. Um, mm. She's about the same age as my daughter, which I think is why I just find mm. her, you know, I can relate so was to she her. In the most recent, she uh, was in the most recent do, Olympics do and she got a silver we, medal. We were talking about that only yesterday. My um, son had a, a sports thing at school and we were talking about that because he, he was, you know, potentially going to be asked some mm-hmm. questions around, you know, what inspires you in sport. And we were talking about her that... You know, even with no arms and no legs, she still managed to. Mm. Um, I think it was gold she got. She, she got silver. Mm. Ellie Chalice. Yeah, go. yeah. She yeah. is. She's just phenomenal because you know she's, she's got a twin sister, and when um, she was eighteen months old, I think it was, she got meningitis and she had all four limbs taken. Um, and she's just fearless. And every mm. time I've run workshops and she's been there. I, she just is this amazing presence, but she just doesn't want anybody to do anything to make life easier for her. She just mm. wants to get on. And I mean, when I found out actually she'd left school, she's now in sixth form and she's doing a qualification in cake making. So wow, blooming brilliant that, you know, wow. <laughs> somebody <laughs> without limbs just and they're doing cake making as their qualification. Yeah, that just sums her up, I think, as well as being a silver Paralympian. Um, but yes, yeah, so there are some really inspiring people that I get mm. to meet. And I think I'm just very humbled by the experiences I've had for sure. And, I, you know, I'm all about trying to kind of help people. That's really what I feel my kind of role on earth is it's about helping people and if I can be the kind of communicator going back to that mm. um, that does seem to be what I've been given as my gift the ability to communicate um, can't there are many many other things I can't do uh, can't take food fo- photographs very well at all um, <laughs> so not very artistic um, but you know there are you know we all get things given to us and we also don't have skills that we might want but we aren't bitter about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah mine, mine's singing I can't sing oh I can't do that either my dad and brother took, took a lot of delight in telling me that but again isn't that one of the great things about running your own business yeah. that you get to do what you love play to your strengths play to your strengths because how often in business do you really truly get to play to your strengths when you're yeah. not looking after it yourself and we're all lucky enough to be surrounded by thousands of fantastic other small business owners who can do the bits we can't yeah. so there are brilliant yeah. you know, food photographers out there and people singing teachers whatever it is you might need there are there are plenty of them we're, we're very lucky in this this part of the world aren't we yeah, yeah no, i think that's right. that's absolutely spot on um mine's accountancy so i was very mm. quick to de- delegate my accounts out to yeah. to the right person and somebody who knows awesome. how to yes. do it far better than us yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> so um 
Jenny, just kind of thank you. If there's somebody listening out there that, because um, I'm anticipating that with quite a lot of the change and the announcements, obviously with the budget last week and things that are changing on the horizon, and we'll come on to talk about the um, the environmental summit, obviously that's taking place in in Glasgow at the moment as well. But um, if there's somebody out there that's perhaps thinking about maybe setting out as a small business owner by themselves, not necessarily within nutrition, but 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 possibly, is there one piece of advice that you would give them as they they maybe start their business journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm actually in quite a privileged position that I get to um, lecture the final year students on the degree that I did um, in nutrition. So I do get to see those that are just starting out and understand their fears and concerns about starting out. But one thing that we will all have in common, and I would say this if anybody is starting out, you've got to do it with passion because, and, and that's really got to be your raison d'etre. You, you, you want to go into this field because you're so passionate about it. And also be open-minded to how it can change. It's wonderful to have a business plan, like it's wonderful to have a birth plan, but things don't always go as you expect. <laughs> she I'm says sure some the experience. Out there are chuckling away, heard that one. Yeah, and you know exactly what I mean, because, you know, I set out to have a, a clinic and that was really what I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my days and I didn't love it um, but that's what I trained to do so I found something within this world of nutrition nutrition education that I really did love and I would say to anybody that's going out there to start a new business yes go after you know what you want and what you sort of think you want but also be open-minded to the fact that there may be things that opportunities that come across or come along and don't say no don't say yes to everything because that's not (laughs) wise either but you know be discerning but don't say no to something because it doesn't strictly fit into your business plan because if I'd have said no to the first person that came to me and asked me to do corporate well-being I wouldn't be you know doing corporate well-being to the extent and the degree that I am today and I absolutely love that so you know that part of my work as well so yeah be open-minded excellent I love that um yeah I, re- I really like that thank you how about and you I, how about you Lindsay if well you, I, I was you... just reflecting on that actually Jenny and wondering to what extent the pandemic might bring about different opportunities now so just when you were saying at the at the top of the show that you were working in the borders of Scotland and down to Bournemouth actually three years ago maybe you wouldn't have been doing that because we wouldn't have all been technology enabled in the way that we are we wouldn't have adapted to virtual workshops and all of those things virtual coaching and I wonder actually where things will go in the next couple of years as businesses and individuals and corporates start to adapt to a new way of, of working post-COVID, yeah. to what extent different opportunities will emerge now that we couldn't possibly have seen in any business plan. So can you can you is there anything that you think might be on the horizon for you in your business in that sort of space? Yeah, absolutely. I mean the biggest thing is uh, I'm having a, a stream of architects into our home at the moment because one thing we've realized we never intended our home kitchen to be you know, a workshop venue or at least a webinar venue. And it's just not fit for purpose. It, we, we need a filming kitchen. We need, a, you know, it, it's so obvious that that kitchen needs to be redesigned and reconfigured to suit creation of content and videos for not only my own use, but my clients as well. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. It's quite a big that, thing. That's, that's a huge that's thing. massive. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah, my husband's a little bit a little apprehensive <laughs> about how big a thing it is. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just get in the whole lower part of the house reconfigured, darling. It's okay. You stay upstairs and work. Just carry on. <laughs> but isn't isn't that interesting that you know three years ago in any business plan you yeah. wouldn't have necessarily predicted the need for that? No, I mean I was going everywhere for my workshops. So I would be in you know a holiday in here in a whatever hotel there, running these workshops for mm. corporate wellbeing, or going to the sports venues for all the sports stuff, and never was I expecting to do anything from my own home and actually what I ended up doing was I ended up cooking in the kitchen alongside talking because I had the facilities to do it and that's how some of the work that I now have creating recipes for clients and um, their content for their you know own social media brands has come about because they've Mm. seen me create it in the kitchen I mean if they could actually see what goes on behind the scenes they might have a giggle (laughs) there's not a lot of surface space at the moment but there will be you you want to have the odd um, odd photograph if um, actually what is behind the scenes (laughs) maybe chaos maybe not yeah um, so Jenny, I know that you um, you're really into your podcast. You obviously mentioned one there already, um, but today I believe there was one in particular that you were going to suggest, which was the Higher Performance by Jake Humphries. Yeah, Is High Performance right? Podcast, absolutely yeah. brilliant. So, what, what tell, tell us a bit more about it. So, it's, he basically he and um, Damien, have you got? Oh, I can't remember. Professor Damien Hughes. Professor Damien. I mean, you might notice I'm really bad with names. So, <laughs> so Jake Humphries and um, Damien Hughes are uh, a great combination. They interview I mean people that you will have heard of and people that you won't have heard of business leaders um, from the lady that set up Tropic to um, uh, Jay Malone through to sports stars uh, John McAvoy they interviewed recently you may or may not have heard of him but he is absolutely fascinating he is um, part of the former let's call them the Brinks Matt family uh, the family that were involved in one of the biggest crimes in history um, and at the age of 16 he was already in prison um, he multiple counts of armed robbery and for about sort of 10 to 15 years of his life he was in prison um, and it looked like he was always going to be in prison but whilst he was there he uh, started going on to well he started working out in isolation because he was in solitary because that was a control mechanism he would choose to go in solitary um, and then he would start Start working out then he went into the gym and he went on the ergo seemed he was pretty good on the ergo and um, one of the prison officers recognized that of course he ended up getting the world record on an ergo being the rowing machine mm. probably know what an ergo is but yep. you may not and yep. then um came out of prison and went to putney rowing club you can imagine can't you and <laughs> he just has had the most incredible rise he's now a nike sponsored iron man athlete he is a motivational wow. speaker wow. um and I've worked alongside him in some of the work I do with GB athletes. So I've met him that way. But he was on that high performance podcast recently and it was just phenomenal. Absolutely mm. phenomenal what to ma- hear what his story. Amazing story. Yeah. So but I mean that's the sort of, of calibre of person you've got. Yeah, on there. Rise, rise to to mm. success in, you know, in being able to turn things around. So but also as amazing. Jake Humphreys pointed out in the podcast, he was high performance all throughout his life. It was just high performance criminal. Yes. <laughs> then high performance athlete. Yes. Very good at what he did. Very good at what he did, whatever he did. Yeah, whatever it was he was doing. Excellent. Okay, so thank you, Jenny, for um, taking some time to introduce your business. Um, We're going to play a track now that you've chosen, which is Suddenly I See by Katie Tunstall. Yes. Um, Any particular reason that you like it? Yeah, so part of the opportunity, one of the opportunities I've been given doing the work I do is to present uh, my recipes at Carfest, which is the Children in Need um, great big festival Mm. run by Chris Evans, local 
local chap you may have heard of them yeah uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah so that that is one of the songs that I heard um at the, probably one of the first car fests I ever went to excellent oh that's awesome I love car fest haven't made it yet but every year I'm like oh, I must try and get tickets but never quite made it so um thank you for that Jenny so we have Katie Tunstall suddenly ice <laughs>
So Jenny, um, sorry, that's always a good one, isn't it? Put the microphones up. Um, so Jenny, we've talked quite a lot already this afternoon about um, your business and um, what you do at the moment, how you help your clients um, and that sort of thing. So just really starting to think about your business journeys to kind of how you got to this point um, in your career, because obviously you're, you're really successful at what you're doing at the moment. So how did how did you get to, you know, how, how did you get here? Okay, so I got really into nutrition when I was uh, 14. I was a really keen hockey player and I was um, sent away to a camp um, or selected. I shouldn't say sent away. That makes me sound like <laughs> sort of an orphan or something. I was sent... Uh, get sent to a camp uh, at Crystal Palace as it was then um, because it doesn't exist anymore and it was for the future England hockey players I will say now I didn't make it to the England squad but what I was given there was a diet sheet and never really crossed my mind that kind of diet had an influence on performance Mm -hmm. Um, but of course it does and I did change the way I did things and what I ate and how I um, kind of when I ate what I ate how I ate etc in order to try and get better and better at hockey um, and it stuck with me, but it wasn't something that I felt that I should go and study at any point. Um, certainly when I was at school, we were in an ex-grammar school and it was like two, three A-levels. Right, pick one of those and do a degree in it. So that's what I did. English, maths, economics. No, I didn't. I did geography, maths and economics. And then I did a degree <laughs> in geography, um, you know, and then I went into a graduate trainee program. So a fairly, you know, standard approach, I think, um, for many. But uh, I got it's so into my hockey and we had this other career, um, graduate trainee. And then whilst I was playing hockey, I got injured and couldn't play hockey anymore. Had quite a lot of time on my hands and thought, what do I do? Right. Mm -hmm. I know I'll do another degree. (laughs) So that's when I studied nutrition. And then of course, um, I was obviously eating so well that I got pregnant really quickly and (laughs) have my daughter who is 17 tomorrow. It's wow. quite scary. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so this, this is it really. And then I got into nutrition and then I didn't want to stop. Um, so a lot of people, I found a lot of my peers, they'd studied this because they love nutrition, but they didn't necessarily want to do something with it. Mm. Um, and that, that was not for me. I, I wanted to work. My mum has always worked, even though she's had seven children. And I found something I loved. So no brainer, I'll carry on. So I just worked in and around the kids. And then it just has taken off from there. So, yeah, 2012, Lunchbox Doctor, and then lots of workshops. Um, and, and actually, you know, some of the most amazing things, being asked to go and work in um, you know, near Dubai and run children's festivals and, and do demonstrations out there. Oh, wow. um, and, you know, it's been really exciting. Um, mm. So I, I've had a had a good run so far. Excellent. <laughs> Let's hope it continues. Continue. Yes, absolutely. Um, is there, I mean, it, you know, you've you shared some things in, uh, during our conversations this afternoon already, which have just been re- really quite special with some, you know, some of the people you've been presenting to and you've had a chance to, to meet. Um, is, there, is there anything that perhaps you wish you'd known when you very first started out? You thought, oh, if only I'd known that, I would have got there quicker or I'd have been able to do something differently. Well, you know, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot <laughs> is the answer to that question. But I think also as a parent, I realised that one of the things I felt happened is when I went into a graduate trainee program the mere fact that I had a degree seemed to fast track me but Mm. I had a degree in geography and Mm. I was being asked to look after people and and to manage people and one of my roles prior to to stopping that work and starting this work um, that was so much I I knew they were more capable than me it's just that they didn't have a degree and I, I used to come home from work 
and cry you know I wasn't happy Mm. but that's not really the point the point is that I felt that I should almost have done an apprenticeship I shouldn't have been fast-tracked yes Mm. I have a degree but why does that make me any more capable than the person that's been doing their job for you know 10 years 15 years and actually has so much more experience than me so you know I think one thing I would love to have done prior to setting up my own business because when you're running your own business you are running marketing accounts PR social media etc etc is if somebody had been able to take me around and show me all of those different departments Mm. yes I may have ended up specializing but I'd already specialized by the age of 22 Mm. that's not right I don't Mm. think I think we should all be allowed to have the opportunity to see how businesses work Mm. and great if we want to go and run our own business but go with your eyes wide open don't you know Mm. think that this is something that I'm only good at this or I'm only good at that because you've got to you kind of got to be okay at most things to run your own business I think I think that's Mm. really true certainly in the recent conversations I've been having with other guests on the show I think that kind of idea that when you set up your your small business you know as a small business owner if you're a florist or if you make cakes or if you're um you know an hr person that actually you do need to have those other skills until I think Lindsay as you mentioned mm. earlier you you've got the ability to outsource it to people who specialize in those areas mm. but actually to have a really broad understanding and awareness of lots of different things actually mm. serves you serves you really well so. it does and i think you have to go into it with your eyes wide open because i think all too often I remember many, many years ago, one of the PR stories I ran was with one of the high street banks. And it was all about entrepreneurs over the age of 50, people who in later in life, second career would set up their own businesses. And what we found was they were very successful at being a florist or being a baker or being whatever it was they they had a passion for. But actually where they were struggling was in that sort of business savvy, business acumen, because mm. to your point, Jenny, they hadn't seen all the other bits that knit together. It's like a big jigsaw. Yeah. And if you're going to go into setting up your business, you you have to be aware of all of that, don't you? And you have yeah. to understand how to access it because it's quite late on before you can afford to outsource. Yes. So for the in the yeah. early years, you have to be able to <laughs> do it all yourself and you, yeah. you sort of muddle through and it can be quite demoralizing when when you don't get it right of course yeah but I think it's good it's good to be aware that you're not going to get it right you know and I think actually that's Mm. how you learn what you're good at and what you're not so good at and what you are you know when you do have to prioritize outsourcing um Mm. you know exactly which bit you're going to outsource first yeah yeah I I think I mentioned earlier for me it was definitely accounts from day Mm. one (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so so I I have a question for you linked to that then Jenny um what is the one mistake that you made in your business that you think you've learned the most from? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think probably pursuing one-to-one clients as mm. a part of my business for, for too long. I think if I'd have mm. moved away from that sooner and allowed the time that that took out of my day mm. um, to focus on clients in the corporate wellbeing space, the webinar space, it was workshops then now more webinars and workshops um or even the content creation space I mean that's Mm. something that I would say you know I should have spent more time doing because that's what I really love I mean yeah yeah, I get it gets me out of bed it gets Mm. me going it gets me excited so Mm. why wouldn't I focus on those strengths and Mm. allow somebody out well I do I now you know people come to me after a talk and they say I'd really like to come and see you and I find them the best person Mm. to go and see because it's not me they really want to see because I'm not as good as somebody might Mm. be at the one-to-one stuff so I'll make sure they get treated well. Isn't that interesting that sense of actually how do you know when to stop yeah how do you know when to take a different a different route in a different direction that's a really interesting example. It Mm. is a really interesting um 
thing to consider because I remember a old boss of mine almost giving me that piece of advice that we worked on a project and it was almost kind of reflecting on it saying well actually in hindsight if at this point we'd reviewed things you know maybe it wasn't the right way forward and you know at the time it was kind of not a criticism but it was kind of quite hard because it'd been something I've been so passionate about but actually sometimes taking that time to reflect can mm. be really important yeah mm. I do mm. agree with you for sure so what what does the future hold then Jenny for for the lunchbox doctor what's what's on the horizon apart from your 10-year party that we've just decided we're going to have <laughs> that's <laughs> the biggest thing on my horizon right now um so yeah i've got these these two curriculums that i'm working on at the moment which are taking are going to take a, a huge amount of time but it's um just amazing work to be involved in um you know to get the kind of funding for that scale of a project and to know that you know people are coming to you as like you know the the nutrition educator is it's wonderful so that's definitely on the horizon, both of those two projects, and they'll be taking place over the next sort of um, two to three years, actually. So, so when, when you say curriculum, Jenny, mm. do you mean that you're teaching that? Because you mentioned earlier that you taught some stuff for the university that you got your degree at. So do you mean yeah. you'll be writing some of the modules for them? Is that what you mean? Yeah, not that? for them, no. So one of them is about reducing um, sugar consumption in schools. And yeah. um, mm. so that's a massive, massive charity funded project. So I will be training the trainer to go into schools and teach um, children about sugar and the dangers of sugar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, wow. And then another one is about um, providing a curriculum which is um, not just about nutrition, but it's about access to specialists in each of the main areas, such as sleep, such as lifestyle management, um, such as uh, media um, for uh, GB athletes. So, and that's part of the um, Commonwealth Games. Uh, program that's been created for certain specific selected athletes so these will be um for in that case that'll be an online curriculum but i'll be doing some stuff in person as well and then there'll be things that they can access through an app and and all sorts so yeah so lots of different media and just creating lots of different content that can be accessed in different ways i just love the challenge of that yeah. just Wow, yeah. that sounds yeah, that sounds huge, and mm. you know, because I think we we touched earlier about different ways of communicating. Obviously, given the experiences we've had yeah. over the last eighteen months, mm. so actually bringing more video workshops online, yeah, programs it, into the mm. mix. Yeah, what, I mean, what an really exciting, exciting. Yeah, that's how things change. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I, I talk about the. Um, companies that I'm providing recipe content for so they'll say to me oh we've got this new product coming out they'll send the product to me and I'll create recipe videos that incorporate their product mm. into it and then you know that they'll pay me to promote their product essentially and I mean I love that that is like just you know I'm not autistic but I am creative and that is all my creativity goes into this wonderful simple recipe mm. you know that really is where, where I'm at <laughs> as far as that sort of thing's concerned so Good. yeah and so do you do you look at those in a seasonal um way so do you look at those very often yeah absolutely very seasonal yes and so at the moment you know we're talking very much around sort of autumnal and winter um foods and ingredients and how we incorporate those for the outcomes that we're looking for mm. so on that, I'm, I'm really interested in um, the seasonal changes that we experience. And, and as small business owners, we spend a lot of time working from home now, mm. obviously. And I don't know about you and I don't know about any of our listeners out there, but obviously shorter days now, it's darker earlier. I've immediately, since the clock's changed at the weekend, 
had to start walking my dog at a different time of day because I don't want to go out at seven o'clock at night because it's dark and it's not safe and there's no street lights. I don't want to be running then. So I've had to change my routine and it's also influenced what I want to eat. Yeah. So what's your what's your advice? How do we fuel ourselves mm. given this seasonal change but the need to stay motivated because, you know, dark days are, are a demotivator. It yeah, they definitely are. They definitely are. There's a couple of things in there. So... Well, probably more than a couple, but let's just take a couple. <laughs> let's break it down into bite-sized pieces. So first of all, um, really important to understand your chronotype, your circadian rhythm, your natural circadian rhythm. Okay. So if you're naturally a lark, I mean, this change in time has been wonderful for larks because suddenly it's lighter earlier. So they can just crack on with their day when their cortisol levels are on the rise. And that's great. They're breakfast people. They get out, they do their exercise, they have their breakfast, and they really are most set up and most suited to where we're at now with our um, with our days. I mean, yeah, nobody loves a short today the the lark still needs to be aware of low vitamin d status because that's mm-hmm. going to be the case i mean the, the little analogy or the little um uh, saying that i love to remember with vitamin d is if your shadow is longer than you are you're not going to get vitamin d so basically ah, if the sun is too low in the sky creating too long a shadow you're not going to be able to absorb vitamin d through the skin you really do need to be supplementing um if the shadow is shorter than you are it's likely that you'll be getting enough so there isn't enough sunlight it's not strong enough it's not high enough in the sky when there is sunlight um for anybody with you a lark or an owl or anything in between but certainly larks you know get up get on with the day and you may find that you are somebody that excuse me um you know is a lark and loves your breakfast and that's great eat your biggest meal at the beginning of the day um, and eat your smallest meal towards the end of the day that's how larks should eat the owl however is not going to like this at all because the owl wants to lie in a little bit longer wants to stay up a bit later and you've got this really short day if you're an owl and you naturally follow your circadian rhythm um owls don't tend to do well with breakfast in fact they're better off in many cases not having breakfast they're better off having more like a brunch definitely Mm. something when you get hungry but it doesn't have to be breakfast and they're better off actually you know not necessarily having a massive meal at the end of the day but you know not having uh, a massive breakfast they probably Mm. want a lighter breakfast Mm. a sort of medium-sized lunch a slightly larger evening meal and that's quite important to understand but equally you know what you eat is important as we move into the winter months um certainly from an immune perspective you need to focus on i mean there's still foods that are rich in vitamin d but foods that are rich in zinc particularly there was an article in the newspaper yesterday about zinc and immunity obviously we've known about it for years it didn't take the newspaper article to convince anyone i'm sure but zinc is really important um for our immune system and um probiotics prebiotics really important if we can get Mm -hmm. those into our diet at this point so prebiotics think of as fiber um, resistant starch so legumes or even cooked and cooled starches so just before i came out today i've had a, a a, what we call potage bon femme which is, sounds very posh but it's actually just leek potato and carrot soup mm-hmm. um, but heat it obviously made cooled and then and I had potato files which the Irish um, yeah. despite the surname my husband is half Irish so you, you wouldn't know it <laughs> Um, so um, potato files as well and then vitamins a c and e really really important um mm-hmm. to be getting in at this point so you know here we're talking about having you know your brightly colored beta carotene rich sweet potato mm-hmm. carrot um butternut squash soups curries whatever it is you can get into your diet at this point actually um cocoa or cacao i talked about um something i made yesterday was with uh, a healthier ferrero rocher it was basically <laughs> hazelnut butter a little bit of honey and cacao 
on the yep. inside with a hazelnut inside that and then covered in dark chocolate. I mean, oh, what is not to like about that? Yummy. Um, and then, you know... So, the, sorry, sorry, she's just backing up as a nutritionist. <laughs> you're recommending that. we eat chocolate. Can I just I register that one? I am. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, Love it. isn't it? <laughs> and then, you know, things like, um, things that aren't in season, like berries, you can have those in the freezer mm. and make a nice sort of smoothie or smoothie bowl yep. or just add them to your porridge or something yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, those would be my recommendations in terms of what we eat because there's so much going around now that we haven't been exposed to prior and so many yes. more illnesses that people seem to be getting despite yeah. you know whether they're vaccinated against flu or whether they're vaccinated against coronavirus or whether they're not vaccinated there's mm. just that much more going around now that we mm. haven't been exposed to so we're picking up more easily so yeah. the one thing we can do that's within our arsenal is boost our own um, immunity Mm, that's great advice. I've, I've been scribbling all of those down there, Jenny. <laughs> so definitely vitamin D and zinc is something that yeah. I'm going to, yeah. going to take away with that. So, um, mm. yeah. Great. Um, really, really interesting. Thank you for that. I Likewise, I've been making notes. I'm going to go away and do a little bit of research into uh, more zinc foods into our, um, into our diet. So... Um, really fascinating story so thank you for sharing that with us jenny and uh sharing your your tips uh for autumnal eating um but before um we start to um explore a little bit further about you know this autumnal piece and well-being which i think we're going to talk about next we're going to play another song that you've chosen (laughs) for us now i'm super excited about this this is one of my favorite songs too we are family sister sledge so what does this song mean to you jenny just in terms of being such a i mean i am part of a big family and bar one here we're all foodies the, the one is i'd rather clean the toilets than make food um <laughs> but she's she's lovely she's just the anomaly but we're all foodies um so yes i think that's they get a um a hands up for a or a high five or something for being inspirational to me fantastic so we are family sister sledge
this fun and we've just begun to get our share of this world's delight. High hopes we have for the future and our goals inside. We know we don't get depressed. Here's what we call our golden rule. Have faith in you and the things you do. You're listening to Sophie Comas and Lindsay Wright on the River Radio Let's Talk Business show. Thank you for listening in this afternoon. Today we have a fantastic local business owner, the brilliant Jenny Tishi from The Lunchbox Doctor. We've been talking a lot about Jenny's business journey, about some of the great um, experiences that she's had. And also Jenny's been sharing some really good nutrition tips with us. Gosh, try saying that with your teeth in. Um, (laughs) We've been, um, so don't forget, if you have missed a part of today's show, you can listen again via the website, which is river.radio or as a podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. And of course, if you want to get in touch about any of the discussions we're having on the show today, please do drop us an email to sophie at river.radio. Now, there are many um, challenges which are facing small business owners today and wanted really to move on to perhaps explore some of those, Jenny, within you know, what you're seeing, you're obviously out and about starting to meet people again, delivering lots of great workshops out there. So what, what are the challenges that you're seeing sort of facing your clients as, as we start to recover and move forward from, from experiences over the last 18 months? I actually think um, one of the interesting things, I think the expectations of employees uh, of their employer has changed. So actually um, corporate wellbeing is one of the things that employees expect their employer to, to provide um, and if they're looking for a new job it's one of the things they'll rate a future employer mm. on it will make the employer stick out as as a better organization to work for so I think it's really important to to think about that because obviously you've got people perhaps more people working from home in, in the longer run um, certainly that's a that's more of a trend um, who you may not see so regularly so you need to provide some sort of well-being check and um, mm. but also provide them with some resources and ways fun ways that doesn't mean sitting there and <laughs> you know doing more of a kind of meeting style thing mm. um, to to look after their the health and well-being you know we've already mm. talked about this kind of um, this way that we we have of just thinking it's normal just to sit for mm. however many hours that human bodies weren't designed for that right. so so corporate well-being um certainly a massive area of growth and certainly um you know an area that people that are looking for a new job or those that are currently within a job are looking to their organization to provide uh, to a much much greater degree and that's certainly something i'm seeing and and also new areas um increasingly and I know there was an awareness um, week recently but I'm talking about menopause in the workplace Mm. which Mm. is absolutely brilliant because people employers are wanting to understand uh, what and how the menopause affects people their employees Mm. and and to what extent and what degree and I think it's been eye-opening the wonderful thing I love about doing those workshops is the number of men that turn up and I just think it's brilliant Mm. Um, it's good because it means they have an understanding and they can respond mm. and um, you know just kind of adapt I suppose the way that that they're being to 
to female colleagues. Yeah, so that's, absolutely. That's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think the whole well-being piece is really is really kind of exploding, and it's really it's good to see that because um, and I'm reading sort of reading around the topic much as you're you're highlighting there that definitely people over the last 18 months have have taken time to think about what's important to them what are their brand values and actually that whole well-being piece so you know not just what pension or what healthcare are you going to provide me with but actually you know what you know are you going to give me mindfulness sessions or are you going to give me tips on how I can eat better are you going Mm. to provide me with a lunch even if I'm coming into the office you know Mm. how how are businesses um doing that is what what ways are you saying with your clients that people are delivering against that yeah so um from my perspective and I've always tended to work uh, alongside others in this area um so I've always tended to work at least with um people who deal with the physical well-being most often those that deal with the mental well-being and then I will form like the third leg sometimes the mm. fourth leg if it's also um sleep has been a massive uh, ma- there's been a massive rise in interest in sleep for employees because i think again whether it's due to the pandemic uh concern anxiety depression things that affect sleep um have certainly in- increased and so quite often i work alongside sleep experts as well so the thing i've noticed is there's been a sway towards more um looking at things like nutrition the way it affects the mind nutrition and the way it affects your energy and nutrition the way it affects sleep absolutely for sure if I look at the sorts of workshops I was doing pre-pandemic and the sorts of workshops I'm doing now there's a lot more about how the connection between what we eat and how we feel manifests Um, Mm. and I think that's huge and I don't think um, anywhere near the emphasis on that was being given prior as there is today so that's that's huge brilliant Uh, that's it's really encouraging because I was having a, a similar conversation with somebody quite recently and they were sort of almost suggesting that their experiences I mean I think possibly different industries to yourself that they were maybe working in but that they were suggesting that whilst people were saying these things they're not necessarily delivering delivering and taking action it was more of a mm. tick box exercise mm. or we need to um, be shown that we're focusing on well-being so let's have um i don't know a week where we talk about food a week where we talk about sleep that's tick that's done mm-hmm. whereas actually it wasn't really becoming embedded and as part of the culture and actually really feeling like they they particularly meant it so. that is one of the challenges i think the organizations face is is budget and you know consistency mm-hmm. in budget because you'll have yeah and you i mean i I'll never never forget when i was in my previous corporate role when the the head of branding was changed and you knew exactly what was going to happen they were going to throw a shed load of money into rebranding so it's a bit like oh, you know, and don't forget the restructure as well because that always comes with <laughs> the department. of course of course and you know so you know that whenever there's a change of personnel in the personnel department as in or the hr department or whatever and that's generally the people that will be hiring your services as someone that does what i do they'll want to put their stamp on things and you know whether they'll be the budget to do it their way um or try and continue with the program that they've had for the last three years which was showing great results you know it's it's just a difficult one and yeah. certainly you know i've worked with organizations for you know, consistently for sort of three four years and then somebody else will come in and say right we're going to shake things up but for no good reason other than to shake things up and that doesn't help because you need that consistency you need that trust you know particularly when you're talking about people's health some mm-hmm. of the things that get revealed when you're doing corporate well-being are fantastic i mean you know you get a real insight into the way people live and the way that they the, the, the limitations on their behaviors are particularly around eating it's quite an emotive subject for some um and certainly it can be something that can be really empowering for others so you know actually having that insight into the way people do things is, is great but you can only get that over the course of several 
several workshops and you know the same face turning up to talk about something else and progressing yeah. people through you yeah. know a process of different workshops and that's uh, that, that is the challenge isn't it because it's mm. not um you know if you're I guess if you're a CEO of a company and you're wanting to demonstrate value to your shareholders or whatever, and you're you've got the well-being piece, there isn't necessarily a direct correlation between okay, if we invest X amount in well-being, we're going to get Y back. Mm. Whereas actually, what you get is a far more productive workforce, and you get so much more, which is really difficult to put numbers on it. So yeah. that kind of quantification, I suppose, is another challenge as as part of that well-being well-being sector yeah exactly how do you show that this is improving you know and I guess that the, the most obvious criteria is are people off work more often or less often yeah. you know and that's so probably the most obvious I, one yeah I, I wonder as well to what extent <clears throat> there's something for me about treating people as individuals so the big corporate programs are great mm. but actually what um what we're seeing a little bit more of now is as people are working from home and they're a little more isolated mm. they're away from their teams they're on zoom teams calls day in day out right across lunch times all of those things it's not okay to eat on a call all of this type of stuff to what extent are you seeing jenny that this rolls down into ind- you talk about consistency individual managers because for me there is a piece about it is all about your manager in the mm. workplace it doesn't matter about the big program yeah it's absolutely your manager and how they behave towards you as an individual yeah and and you're right because often when I do these you know you'll see entire departments turning up and entire departments not turning up and you can yeah. bet your bottom dollar you know why um mm. yeah someone's standing in the way they don't think it's important or as important as other things for that person to be spending time attending something like this yeah um so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That does happen. Sadly, it does happen. Mm. It's just not access to all. It's access to those whose manager says they can attend. Mm. I uh, heard a really interesting phrase quite recently that you join a company and you leave a manager. And I thought yeah. that, you know, yeah, that that's true. just one of those, you know, just one of so one true. action mm. that can, can influence mm. those sort of things. I wonder though, to what extent employee employees will start to drive the change though now, mm. because I think what we've seen over the pandemic I believe the pandemic has actually just accelerated what was always coming. I yeah, think we definitely. would have got to a remote working mm. environment maybe in 10 years, yeah. but but COVID has accelerated it. Mm. And so I think employees have a stronger voice now. So yeah. I wonder to what extent you might see that change in your world and your work that actually they start speaking with their feet by just turning up anyway. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, well, they, you know, that would be wonderful because then Wouldn't the more they? people you reach, the more people yeah, you can positively benefit. So, yeah. Definitely. So we've, you know, we've talked a lot about well-being. Um, I'm conscious that we're we're going to be wrapping up fairly soon as we we fast approach two o'clock. But I think the other thing just to note as well as um, the ongoing kind of challenge and things which we're seeing on the horizon is obviously the environmental piece with the summit taking place up in um, Scotland mm-hmm. um, over the next couple of days. Um, and I think uh, Lindsay, you were saying on the way in that there've been some announcements from the government about support which was going to be coming available. And I know the Growth That's Hub, right. who um, Sarah Charlesworth, who came in to see me um, a couple of weeks back, was also mm-hmm. talking about some great stuff that they're doing. So there does seem to be lots of encouragement for people doing more to help the environment. I think that's right. And and I think it is incumbent on all of us as small business owners just to play our part. If we all do a little bit collectively, it's it's a lot. Mm. Um, and I think it's uh, it would be interesting to hear a little bit more, I think, from from small business owners about what they are doing. What is it we can do that is is easy? So 
at home for me, we don't have the central heating on. We have a radiator. Mm. So I heat the room I'm in rather than heating the whole house. Yeah. Very conscious of recycling, but I know there's a lot more we can do. So mm. um, I think uh, I think we all have to play our part. But it is great to see that the government is recognising that businesses need support in this area. Because, yeah. as you said earlier, it's a question of budgets, priorities. There's a mm. lot of things going on for, for businesses. But I think as, as a small business community, we have to play our part as well. Mm. Definitely. I think you're right. That um, that sounds like a topic for another show. It I does. Think. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so before we um, we wrap things up today, I wanted to say, Jenny, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us this afternoon. It's been brilliant to, ha- to have you join us. So thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us on the River Radio Let's Talk Business show. Um, we've also talked about your journey and also explored some of the challenges faced by small business owners today. If someone wanted to find out a bit more about your business, how would they go about doing that? Generally, social media is the best place so at lunchbox doctor on instagram um lunchbox doctor on uh facebook and my name on twitter i'm less prominent there um and just one final thing i should say there's uh, about three spaces left on my workshop this evening if there's anybody that wants to join <laughs> um, sports nutrition great. for teenagers that's great lovely well thank you so much for joining us jenny so if you have any questions about um today's show um please do drop me an email at sophie at river.radio. We've also got some great other shows coming up over the next couple of days. with Shell on Sunday and we've got Rani, who's also got a show on Sunday morning. And this week she's speaking with Ant from Big Barn. They'll be discussing British farming and a little bit more about the COP26 summit as well. And of course, if you've missed part of today's show, you can listen back via the website, which is river.radio or as a podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. Um, Lindsay, thank